0: Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and as always, I'm here with Father Chuck.
1: Hey, what's up, man? Well, I, that was... That was <laughs> I just drank coffee, so it sounds like I'm like uh, like super amped. You're like, hey, what's going Park. on? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, Father Chuck. Hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> not, 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 not much, man. Um, you know... Uh I'm I'm uh we are almost halfway through uh the month of October. I believe That's you right. Had a, you had a birthday recently?
1: I had a birth oh, sorry I'm plugging I'm I'm raising up my microphone to get it closer to my mouth. Um yes, I I had a birthday last week. You turned 29? 29. Uh 36? <laughs>
0: It's okay, man, yeah. it's fine. You know, we're, we're all getting up there.
1: It's, I uh, th- here's the thing is, I don't, I, 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 one of the things I really reject is the idea that like when you get into your mid 30s, that you're like, oh, we're getting old. No, we're not. Like, I don't think, I honestly, and I, I don't mean this in any kind of like jokey way. I seriously think that the only time you can really call yourself old, mm-hmm. old is like 80, maybe you're 70.
0: I, I but think. Eight, I think that's true. I don't think the the twenty year olds that make fun of us will agree with us. But
1: <laughs> yeah, and but they, but in ten years they'll understand. I mean, I think that I think that you know that to me that's old, right? Um, and you know, they also say old is kind of how you feel. But I will say that, Ugh, I feel really you old. know, as you as you mature, you know, it, 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 things are just it's just different, right? Like things just change and, and things are different but 36 is like an age to me where I feel like this is an adult age. Like yeah. I, I am not like, even though in my mind I'm still kind of like in my mid to late twenties, um, 36 is a grown up age, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, my, I was talking to my friend, Josh, um, sometimes listener of the show. Um, and his birthday is about a month before mine. So we were texting about this the other day and, uh, he said that I was old. As, he's like, I'm basically as old as I want to be. Right. He's like, he said, my, my, my wife, he says, what happened when my wife and my kids were asleep? He's like, I watched some anime, played some video games. He's like, i be, I'm, I get to be whatever I want. I'm like, okay. I said, uh, I'm, I'm in the process of building a chair, which is like the most 36 thing a man can do.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're making stuff, which is, yeah, that's
1: a. Yeah. Like, like I go out into like my, my back patio sort of become like a workshop and I like Putts like i putts like i'm in the process of building so what i was building was a chair back for um our bishop's throne at the um at the chapel st andrew we just don't have a back to this is really kind of a short-sighted design process they had for the bishop's chair and so i was building a seat back for it so that the bishop could have to have that when he came in because he, he was at our church on sunday for the first time since he became bishop and while like while like the the stain and sealer was 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 curing up i was like huh like i I grabbed like a piece of scrap and i like cut and like made an additional thing out of it to like hold my records while like record cases while i play a record and like i'm just sort of like what happened like when did i become this guy just sort of like (laughs) i was my woodshop making things that's funny
0: that's that's kind of how i am about uh making videos that i'm starting to try to get into lately yeah and editing and stuff, and I mean this this podcast. This this podcast is my wooden chair.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. but it's just yeah. So thirty six, man, and you're you're not too far behind. What are you talking about? I'm like, I just turned thirty. That's true. No,
0: that's not true. <laughs> I'm thirty five, uh and but I, I I don't I don't I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I I don't know if it's because of like my own situation or it's because I was raised a certain way to be uh super aware of it but I I constantly think about my age constantly. Huh. Like every time I see a new actor I have to know how old they are. And if they're older than me, I feel if they're if they're my if they're younger than me, I feel bad. <laughs> you know what's not like, fair. What? Henry Cavill is our age. I know. And it's, I, hate, I hate thinking about it. And yet I, I always think about it. I'm super aware of my age. And I always think about every filmmaker who got started in the industry and stuff and how old they were and, like, how old they are now. And I'm like, wow, I really, you know, missed the window apparently. But, but,
1: but, but you've got to, you know, we've talked about this before, just like on our own conversations. And, uh, you know, my counter to that, JP, is that there are always exceptions. Right. So you've got, you know, you've got um, uh, George Miller. Right. Who did not really get into the film industry until he was, you know, like in his 50s. Right. After med school. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then, um, and just in music, you have Willie Nelson, who um, didn't become a recording artist in his own right until he was in his 40s. I know,
0: and, and I, I know that, and that's what I keep telling myself. And even Dan Harmon, who got started in the industry super young, and uh, you know, now he's very successful and, and very talented. Even he says things like, "Don't worry about age; it doesn't matter." And uh, and I, I know all this, and yet I I don't know. I think it's just the this, I think it's just the culture we're in, and it just really it affects me. And like we, we're yeah. in a youth obsessed culture that of like, if you haven't, like done something by the time you're 25 if you're not a prodigy then you're probably not worth it well
1: and i think this is also one of the things where as we talked about as we talked about i think last week um a little bit is us being the generation that we are that even though we are millennials in the very like strict sense of the word we are also generation x yeah. right cuz you know xennials whatever that term is yeah. and one of the things about generation x is that in in general they feel very ignored in right. society um because you know they're they're between the boomers and the millennials and and i think that that's i think that's part of the reason why we have some anxiety and stuff around our age because We've we fit into this place where, you know, the boomers who are who are living longer and are enjoying and wanting to stay in their careers longer than other people. And then the millennials who are just now coming up and they're sort of, you know, as as the boomer generation starting to retire, the millennials are coming of age to start taking on careers and doing things. And so us generation 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 X ish folks have sort of um, have sort of been in the you know, we've been in the gap. We just sort of we've sort of missed that a little bit. Um, and, and I think too, in the way that our culture, you know, the, the millennial generation is the gen is, you know, it's like the boomers, and the millennials are like the two largest demographics in terms of marketing. And so all the marketing is for them, not so much for us. And, um, and so I, I so I think all that kind of compounds, uh, uh, in, into how we understand ourselves. And, and, and I will say as a young clergy person, um, I'm quite aware Of the weirdness of my age, Mm -hmm. because I'm at an age where I'm no longer young enough to be a novelty. Right. You know, like a 20 something year old priest, you know, I don't have that. I don't have that novelty to me, but I also don't necessarily have the experience of like a mid 40s priest. Yeah. And so I'm kind of I'm in this weird place where um you know, where, you know, some, some strange ageist stuff can, can, can apply, um, I'll let you get do is tr-
0: be as awesome as you can be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Let, let, let your um, work speak for itself.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's Which you'd true.
0: hope it but, would, but people are stupid. So.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know that not everyone's stupid, but most are, most are. <laughs> I'll let you say that yeah. as a priest in the church of God, I don't think I can say that, but uh, i um everyone's stupid, but my parishioners yeah. um, but uh yeah no I just uh but I'm, I'm with you I, I and it is an interesting thing about our culture that we do focus on that we do focus on age so much, yeah. and I do wonder how some of the stuff affects us in terms of like our you know is there a reason why people our age that we hang on to the stuff we grew up with so strongly because it's ours we've not been you know marketed to the same way that millennials or boomers have and so like anyway that's I'm, I'm kind of trying to segue this into our topic a little bit um <laughs> nice. I don't know about effectively Go. but I'm because I'm because we're going to talk a little bit about Star Wars and and I just think about how Star Wars has become such a sacred thing for our generation specifically for people in their late 20s to mid 30s yeah um I mean all the way to the 40s really I mean there's just you know to the folks who grew up with it and everything it's just uh you know it's it's become it's going to be a very sacred thing and you know, I, I just think back to something that we've talked about on this podcast before, like when The Force Awakens toys uh, came out and there was a photo taken. It was on like, the front page of the business section of the Palm Beach Post. And all the people in the Target toy aisle were guys who looked like us, white guys with beards <laughs> holding lightsabers. There were no children in the toy aisle.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, there was also like stories of um, people refusing to sell Action figures to anyone who didn't have a child with them. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. And then people get really mad about that. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is like I think that's brilliant. Uh should totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be a requirement.
1: Um Yeah, I mean gratefully just as an aside, I think you and I both can appreciate – and I'm grateful for this in my own life that I was exposed to, just as you were, Toy Fair magazine, oh, yeah. um, which did not hold this stuff sacred.
0: No, it didn't, and, which, which you would think it would, right. magazine, but it's not. It's like their whole message – like, like the whole culture behind collecting and the whole fanboyism is to keep it in the box, keep it pristine, keep it in a safe. Toy Fair is like, No. Rip it open, play with it. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what it's made for. I mean, they got. Into, do, do you remember when they first came out in the first issue, and they did a thing where they fed Zach Malamute, the uh, the, the the Alaskan Husky dog, uh, that was sort of a mascot of the magazine. They fed him like a Mego Spider-Man. Spider-Man action yeah. figure, and people got so irate <laughs> that the, that this dog ate this Mego figure. Amazing.
0: Yeah. It was it was good. It was so good. I. Uh, I... I miss Toy Fair. I really do. And, 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 but I'm also like – I wonder if we're just looking at it with rose-colored glasses. Like if we actually go back and read like the first issues we read and that we loved, would they still – would they hold up? Would
1: they the answer big? is yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes because you can find some of them archived in places. Yeah. And I, I still have a couple of older issues and they are, they are still very funny. That's great. I still like I, – I would, I would give anything. And, and they,
0: they are – I've seen some of them archived online. Uh, but I would love to just open up and read the X-Mansion party. <laughs> the X-Mansion have a house party while uh, Professor X is away. Yeah.
1: Isn't that the one? It's a like Halloween? It's a Halloween party one? As no, the it's, not, it's,
0: not a, it's not a Halloween party. It's just a house party because everyone's just getting drunk.
1: OK, because they did they did do one that was a Halloween party, because I remember Spider-Man is dressed up because they, they use mega figures for everything. So they put the different mega costumes on different people. And so Spider-Man was dressed up as one of the guys from Chips.
0: <laughs> I, I maybe that did happen. I don't know. It's the one where Cyclops kills Redbird's uh, oh, bird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, That's now, a- now your power sucks.
1: Yeah, because he's like – some speculate that my, pow- my my ability to communicate with Red Wing is a mutation and Cyclops just fries the bird. <laughs> now your power sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because the um, – no, because the one where um, – the, uh, the one where they have the Halloween party, I'm pretty sure that's the- – no, no, you're thinking – are you thinking the one where they I, – I, no, the Halloween – I'm trying to remember. The Halloween party is the one where they – I think they end up raiding Dr. Doom's castle.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, in yeah, Liberia. Is, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. that's when we're, where <laughs> con- the one where Hulk... The Incredible Hulk confuses a jacuzzi for a toilet. Yeah. Anyway, this is very
0: juvenile. It is. But it's great. Uh, but yeah, this ties into Star Wars. Uh,
1: <laughs> and racism robots.
0: Yeah, ra- uh, yeah. oh boy. Okay, so let's get into this, Chuck. So apparently there was a study done by a guy named Michael Bay. No, Morton Bay. Um <laughs> Uh, he's a, a USC Annenberg School for Communication Journalism's uh, PhD, uh, a researcher guy. Um, that's his official title, a researcher guy. And yep. he, he did a, a very thorough research on the backlash against Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is apparently, <sighs> apparently a divisive movie.
1: I, I, I've heard tell of this. Yeah, that that it's divisive. <laughs> yes, I've heard tell. I've heard tell that it's a divisive movie. It, which is, it's, it. I, By the I, way, I, listener, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not hip to the hip to the nerd, the nerds speak. Um, we are acknowledging the fact that it is very well known in our circles that that the last Jedi is like something that people have been like. It it it, it actually like the, the way people thought about this movie kind of turned some of us off to Star Wars altogether. <laughs>
0: Uh, nerd culture in, in general for me um yeah like I I, I I okay i don't want to get into the last jedi because i'll be talking for hours but I, I i love the movie i think it rules um, it's
1: awesome it's an awesome movie
0: and and uh, and you know it's okay to have criticisms i think that you could sit i think there's a critical thing to say for every star wars movie including three that we don't need to talk about um, but, uh, there, it's just, it, it just, it baffles me really because The Last Jedi, I think it really stands out. I think it has a lot of what, what works really works. And even if you could find flaws, I don't think they're, I don't think it's flawed enough to, to, to count against it and make it like a mediocre movie or whatever. I think that's really, I, I just don't buy it. And I'm usually very keen on that kind of stuff. I you're just like, yeah, I'll let it pass. So this one, I'm like, I just don't, I don't buy it. But – and I think that's because so much of the backlash, and we're starting to find out, was engineered. Yeah. And that's, and that's what this study has found. So uh, this is uh, – there's like a 38-page report. Uh, I did not read it. <laughs> we're going to read it right now. Uh, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> I hope you like data. Um, so th- this The pie
1: is... charts will be projected on your <laughs> phone.
0: Um, So this is actually just an article from Polygon. Uh, It's sort of a really condensed version of what the the study found. Uh, So we're going to go over that right now. Uh, Chuck, feel free to interject as much as you want. Um, Star Wars, The Last Jedi backlash fueled by bots, trolls, and political activists, study finds. One in five tweets was negative. Uh, And the article is written by Julia Alexander of Polygon. So... Star Wars The Last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson, received a lot of backlash on Twitter for his entry in the Star Wars franchise. This brand of online rage campaign has become a familiar and predictable reaction to progressive entertainment. But a new study claims that up to 50% of The Last Jedi backlash may have come from bots, troll accounts, and politically, politically motivated activists. Morton Bay Uh, a research fellow at USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism Center for the Digital Future, recently published a study analyzing the wave of attacks directed at Johnson on Twitter following the release of his entry into the Star Wars canon. Bay's report, which is titled uh, Weaponizing the Haters, The Last Jedi, and the Strategic Politization of Pop Culture Through Social Media Manipulation, focused on the period between December 13, 2017 in July twentieth two thousand eighteen where he wherein he collected one thousand two hundred and seventy three tweets tweeted directly at the director's Twitter handle. Bay then condensed those tweets down further, deciding to weed out a series of several tweets expressing the same sentiment from the same account, creating the foundation for the account analysis to follow since each user was now represented by one tweet. Got all that Yes, okay. <laughs> His research led to an intriguing discovery, finding that half of all negative tweets directed at Johnson were from bots, trolls, uh, sock puppets, or political activists using the debate to propagate political messages supporting extreme right-wing causes and the discrimination of gender, race, or sexuality. Uh, can,
1: just, you, can you can you you say what a sock puppet is?
0: I, I was just about to explain what a sock puppet is. A sock puppet okay. is when you create uh, an account usually on uh, uh, so it could be social media, it could be forums, it could be uh, the comment section, you create an account um, just for the sole purpose of usually of like harassing or, or criticizing somebody okay. and sometimes people do like multiple accounts and they kind of use it to sort of rate someone to make it look like they're being like attacked by a bunch of people
1: gotcha, kind of like what uh, Mark Driscoll did the uh, pastor of Mars Hill in Seattle he he did, this is why the, one of the reasons they made him step down from leadership as pastor of that church was he created a sock puppet account, um, right. to, uh, to harass people who criticized the church on forums. Wow. wow. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, a lot of, uh, it's, it's kind of rampant in places like Yelp, uh, where restaurants will right. create account, like fake accounts to be like, Hey, this, this place was great. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's what a sock puppet is. That's what sock puppeting is on the internet. Um, 209 of the 967 tweets Bay analyzed were negative, meaning about one in five fans were directly sending complaints or insults to Johnson. Uh, The rest were positive. It's of those 209 tweets, however, that 50.9% that were either politically motivated trolls or bots. Uh, Bay told Polygon that although he expected to find trolls in his research, the most fascinating discovery was how many of the negative comments came from people who generally didn't care about Star Wars. Um, He says that a a majority of the accounts in this category would tweet frequently and positively about party-based politics, e.g. about President Trump and his administration, or retweet supporters of the president or the president's own tweets. Bay wrote in his study, uh, some were less focused on politics of party or specific issues and more on identity politics, posting anti-feminist or anti-homosexuality messages and tweets of a racist nature were also frequent among the accounts in this category. Uh, Yeah, trolls. Uh, The majority of people who sent negative complaints were trying to push their own political agenda and push back against perceived ideology, they found. So like a lot of these people who are harassing, you know, Ryan Johnson and, you know, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose, and um, Daisy Ridley, who played... Uh, Ray who bleed you know, mm-hmm. at their Instagram accounts, so, you know a majority of those people probably don't even like Star Wars probably never even seen Star Wars they just know that there's this popular thing that's out and there are people of color and women headlining it and it's like uh, well we gotta we gotta mobilize <laughs> or let's have some fun there's some people just do it for the lulls as they say in extreme right. blind communities
1: well um, and it's um I know you I know you got more to say but I just want to I just want to point out that this is there's a it, it, it's very interesting how this is happening in all these different things because it's also how it's sort of it's sort of reminiscent to me about how we've done this with environmental issues right um where environmental issues have become partisan yeah which is very weird yeah to it me. is it is um because it it, it shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's um, science uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, I don't and know like what you think they're trying to sell.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, and because and like, um, um, and because I just because it's happened in my life, I'm gonna be smug about it. Is I bought an electric car, so let me tell you about it. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, here he goes. Now, he's closing his eyes while he's talking, folks.
1: Yeah, so yeah, just, it's, <laughs> it's so much better than everybody. But no, I um, but I did. I bought an, I bought a really really affordable Nissan Leaf, and um, I posted a thing on, on Facebook. I posted about it, and it's kind of funny how quickly. Just I mean, it was just lip service paid to it. But how quickly there was a little political angle uh-huh. about that that had sort of been in the background on it. And um, and
0: so well, it, it feels just, subversive now. Right. To do something like that, like just to be like, I'm going to take I'm just going to take it more seriously now. It feels like I'm sticking it to to somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just talking about like I mean, nothing has gotten nothing has gotten bad. But it was um, I made a comment because one of my friends who's very conservative um, politically. Um, talked, mentioned on the thing, how he bought a Prius. And then another friend um, said, oh, when did you become a liberal? And, and, you know, it's all tongue in cheek and, and in good nature. The, the whole thing was in good nature. And I made a joke about how, you know, I, you know, me buying this suddenly made me a registered Democrat just by virtue of buying it. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's funny, but it, there's a, there is an interesting, there's an interesting thing to me about this that, you know, so, and, and so like, that's just one angle to where, you can almost tell like on star Wars discussions on forums where people discuss star Wars, you can almost tell which way people voted based off of their attitude of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's, that's the point I'm getting at is how this whole system that we, this, this, this kind of system that's in place right now, um, it becomes very holistic and it's not in, and like, and there is no, it's almost like there are no, there are no partisan neutral, You know, party-neutral things to be engaged in—they're like no, almost nothing that can bring us together, right? Because everything now has become partisan, including the movies that we watch.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like—I mean, that's if you've grown up in really heavy conservative uh, culture, um, it's always—it's always like that, always. Even if you enjoy it, it's like oh, they're just a bunch of liberals trying to like. You always read really deep into. The movie you're watching or the book you're reading and, and that's just been my experience and it's really annoying and i hated it um but that doesn't also mean that we shouldn't like talk about the political ramifications, like well, the, the politics of a of a movie or something you know that's still a good discussion to have because all art is political when you think about it um especially well, so I mean,
1: but well i mean like here's here's a good example of some of where i think of how how different things are now Let's talk about like. There's two movies that popped in my head right now. One is Braveheart, which um, um, which you can see that's a movie that if you're a conservative you can watch it one way. If you're a liberal you can watch it another. Right, yeah. conservative, it's you know it's got all the like you know masculine war you know kind of whatever stuff in it. And if you're and if you're a liberal you can see it as like liberation, freedom, you know.
0: That if kinda... you're conservative, you probably have a hat that says warrior poet on it. So yeah,
1: right. Um, <laughs> but the but another one that's really interesting for and we could probably talk about we could do a whole episode on this is the matrix which i mean is a movie produced by two twin transgender people oh yeah um very progressive you know very progressive movie mm-hmm. um but embraced by you know men's rights activists yeah um embraced you know how many how many books out there were like the gospel according to the matrix Oh, that yeah, came yeah. out in the early 2000s. Yeah. So a lot of conservative evangelical Christians gravitated to it because they saw they saw uh, parallels with their somewhat messed up view of the gospel, um, which again is a whole other topic we could go on. Um, and then and then these you know far right conservative men's rights activists have also you know gravitated to it and used the language of red pill blue pill for their own purposes. But again, a movie that was made by people who are, I mean you know Keanu Reeves, a very left leaning progressive Buddhist person, right. Again, the Wachowskis are transgender twins. Um, you know, we just go on and on. I mean, it's well, got a very diverse cast. It's got a very, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean uh, yeah. Appropriation. There's a, of, there's, gender, there's a lot of gender queer stuff in that movie. Yes, very much. In so. all the in all three of the movies, really, mm-hmm. and and um, and it turns into, you know, so it's just, it's just so in a way, it's like it's like a movie was made and that everybody could kind of come to it and take something out of it, right? Like right. it, and it's sort of an equalizer. But now, now it's like. The Last Jedi comes out and your feelings on that movie are now suddenly like, that's, that's a declaration of your politics. If you like the movie, you're a liberal. If you hate the movie, you're a conservative. And you can't be like, you can't be a conservative and, and say like, oh, here's some value that I saw in this movie. But you know, like it just doesn't, like right. there's no way to sort of like get some kind of nuanced message out of it. Because it's like they
0: don't, someone has don't, drew, drew a line.
1: Right. And sand. it's these bots that have drawn the line. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, a majority of the accounts in the political agenda category tweeted antagonistically about SJW, uh, social justice warriors, often referring to an SJW agenda, not just put in place in the Star Wars universe by Ryan Johnson, Lucasfilm, by way of CEO Kathleen Kennedy and Disney, but also in American society by liberals and left wing activists, Bay wrote. Uh, it's something he didn't expect, but after analyzing his research, isn't surprised by. We're just seeing the pop culture groupings on social media getting invaded by political discourse in the country." uh, Beethoven Polygon, during a phone interview. When my study came out yesterday and Ryan Johnson retweeted it, Jack uh, Posobiec, a well-known far-right figure, um, extremely online far-right figure, I should add, uh, latched onto it immediately, calling it bullshit and a Russian conspiracy theory. Actually, the Russian bots were just a small part of my paper. It has more to do with what Posobiak's doing right now. <laughs> so, like, what he was doing, with this, what this far right guy was doing, was exactly what the study was about and, like, the point of it. Uh, he's this type of political person entering into a discussion that has nothing to do with politics. Right. Uh, this type of behavior is well documented. It's this, I wish Fun was here because we're getting into a little, a little bit of his territory a little bit. Uh, yeah. this, this type of behavior is well documented it's what academics, journalists and researchers saw during Gamergate uh, a reactionary hate campaign that targeted women and marginalized people in and around the games industry its participants presented the false cover of being interested in ethics and game journalism you, <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a year that was a year, <laughs> was a year. Um, they found the campaign against Johnson connected directly with Gamergate of course it did Uh, At some point, Ryan Johnson tweeted about how there's a big overlap between people who are engaged in the Gamergate discussion and the people who are participating in this new discussion. At that point, a lot of people from the Gamergate controversy actually joined in just because they heard about the term Gamergate being used in another relation. It emphasizes the point that these things are spreading to a degree where people who are engaged in a different part of a political discussion will then move into a different area to keep pushing that agenda. Uh, what happened to Johnson isn't a unique story. The same backlash Johnson received for being too left or too SJW is common whenever Disney changes a character or story that one side of the political spectrum disagrees with. For example, when Disney decided to reanimate part of Record Ralph 2 due to concerns over Princess Tiana's skin appearing lighter in the film, Compared to the original Princess and the Frog, a very right corner of the internet became upset. Even Kelly Marie Tran faced large amounts of backlash from people who didn't like her character, Rose Tico, in The Last Jedi. The actress deleted her Instagram photos and stopped posting on social media. Bay refers to this current period of discourse on the internet and what happened to people like Johnson as peak irrationality. You think? (laughs) (laughs) We are at peak irrationality, people. I kind of hope that we're halfway through the most irrational presidential area this country has ever, has had for quite a while, Bay said. I hope we're coming to our senses a little bit. Right now Bay said that there are so many people who are chiming in on conversations or partaking in campaigns they normally wouldn't care about just to make a political point. Part of what Bay looked at was reported campaigns to review review bomb The Last Jedi on Rotten Tomatoes when the first movie came out. Although Bay didn't study the link between the review bombing Twitter reaction and notorious troll sites like 4chan and Reddit to see if there was a stronger connection, he did find that more people were citing sites like 4chan on Twitter around the time the review bombs occurred. A review bomb, they don't explain what a review bomb is, but it's basically when you sort of like rally a ton of people together to go to these sort of aggregated sites like Rotten Tomatoes where you can go to kind of gauge a films, uh, you know, how the community is perceiving it and just kinda of to order everybody just to like downvote it, just to give it the worst rating. So that's, that's what a review bomb is, and that's exactly what, that's, that's what happened to The Last Jedi and Rotten Tomatoes. <clears throat> so um, don't go to Rotten Tomatoes anymore, that place sucks. Um, a lot of people were, refer- were referencing those campaigns as an argument, they said. It says a lot about our relationship with uh, factuality these days that people would not accept the more credible sources. People wouldn't accept that Rotten Tomatoes had clearly been review bombed. People are not willing to take the more rational, better, or factual arguments; hence the term "peak irrationality." Bay's main takeaway from this research is that pop culture is repurposed as people within political spheres start to use pop culture as a means of spreading their message. He also discovered that people will change their beliefs in order for people will. Sorry, he discovered that people will change their beliefs in order for there not to be cognitive dissonance in their head like i hate this film so vehemently because they did something to the hero and i was expecting them to do something different uh, i feel so much hatred toward this film how can it be true that other people don't that is cognitive dissonance and people who will latch onto whatever narratives whatever narrative says the opposite even if that narrative is not based in any sort of cognitive fact uh, personal politics playing into that field and according to Bay now we're seeing the spread on Twitter to push an agenda and it's only going to grow. There are enough indications that pop culture debates on social media are being politicized, sometimes for strategic purposes that have nothing to do with the subject under debate. As the debate on misinformation, political communication, and regulation of social media continues, researchers studying these matters may find it beneficial to turn their attention to pop culture and how political messaging is propagated in its fandoms
1: yeah so it's the, the piece that's really interesting to me in all of this is how these partisan political groups have you know they've weaponized outrage culture or weaponized outrage I shouldn't say outrage culture because arguably we've always had this kind of thing so right but
0: the on, it is, the online outrage the extremely online outrage
1: right the you know the 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 idea that you know the internet and social media has sort of given everyone this voice and this attempt. I mean, it's basically like weaponizing democracy, right? I mean, it's in some way, in some ways, it's exactly why Plato felt that a democracy was not an ideal form of government in the, in his book, the, in the Republic, because he says that it's so easy for people to be swayed by, you know, like one person or a small group of people in order to, in order to, you know, kind of, you know, they just get rallied into one position and then they get rallied to the other side. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we see that with, you know, the number of people who supported Barack Obama early on because they saw him as a disrupting figure that could easily be co-opted into the Trump movement because Trump also sold himself as a disrupting figure. Um, you know, so, I, you know, so I, 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 so there's that piece that's interesting, but it's also interesting that, that instead of it just being about the news, that idea that, well, people's political philosophies are also shaped by their engagement with popular culture. Right. So let's make this political. I mean, you know, one would say that all art, that art is always political.
0: But it's never a battlefield. You know what I mean? It's not. It hasn't always been a battlefield. That's
1: how it feels like these days, right? I mean, it's, it, I mean, I mean, it, it, I think I feel like –
0: I mean, it's just, it's, to, just it's to be, bit, like, uh, what I mean by a Battlefield, right? I mean, if you were to say, like, if you're in a car with somebody and you're like, I really like The Last Jedi, I really like that they centered Rey as a protagonist, you know, it's it's cool that women are getting that sort of treatment in Star Wars movies, and, like, the other person's like, well, <laughs> that's a little bit SJW, don't you think? <laughs> like, you know, that, that's what I mean by Battlefield, <laughs> like,
1: I guess I, I'm trying to think because I mean we've always had issues with books, you know. I mean we've yeah. burned books over the centuries for having stories that we think are a threat to a particular political way of life. I guess the I guess where it's different is, is that. What has made art controversial in the past is its way to disrupt the status quo. Right. Um, this is a different thing where someone is basically. Trying to make everything controversial. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like it's like, I don't think last Jedi should be a controversial movie at all. Like it's not like, right.
1: Not at all. (sighs) Right. Not at all. Not at all. Because the agenda that people have put on it doesn't really exist. I, I don't think, I don't think that when Ryan Johnson set out to make the movie to me, what the movie is about, it is a movie about how a previous generation fails Mm-hmm. The next generation. And I think it's an interesting. going back to the conversation we had at the beginning of this episode, I think it is interesting that it's a Generation X filmmaker making a movie about millennials and boomers. That's that's interesting, yeah. Um and that it's and that it's uh you know, because it's the you know, Star Wars is a boomer generation movie and mm-hmm. and it's about how the boomers legacy has, you know, that you know the, the legacy of the hippies did not work. And you know, and we're now we're now you know, living in the consequences of that. Um, and you know, as much as we would love to have a movie where it's all about Luke Skywalker, just kind of, you know, sort of being revitalized to leave Octo and show up and just start like, you know, blowing up death stars with his mind or whatever. Um, it's, you know, the movie they showed is a very nuanced and I think realistic movie and just a very intriguing character study in these people. And, you know, I just think it's a very powerful movie, and it's especially uh, – of, of all things, it's a movie about failure and how failure can teach us things. Right. Um, it's not about an Asian-American woman being in power. It's not about <laughs> – like it's not about those things. It's not about
0: uh, women and, and minorities like subjugating –
1: Right. white people.
0: That's <laughs> just right. what they're in trying no to way. make it out. In no
1: like, way is that the case, right? Yeah. I mean, the two protagonists are as white as can be. Daisy Ridley has a British accent for crying out loud. I mean... Um,
0: it not much wider than that. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't get much wider than that, yeah.
1: Right, and like the most triumphant scene in the movie is two white people with laser swords, like, right. kicking butt.
0: Um, I mean, the big, the big quote, criticism I, I hear is that like, oh, they made all the men incompetent and all the women super competent like that's
1: (laughs) how is kylo ren incompetent how is luke skywalker incompetent yeah how is oscar i mean oscar isaac his his he's the only one that i could see where people you know poe dameron is is sort of seen as incompetent um but that's because he's they're trying to teach him about the movie is about him learning lesson about his arrogance Right. And, and, and not, you know, and, and, and it's about heroism and, 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 and that's about it has nothing to do with gender it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with heroism. Um, it's examining heroism. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it, irritates me when, when, cause it's, it's like the conversation we're having, the conversation that we're having about this movie is not about the movie. <laughs> it's about this other stuff. Yeah. And that's why I've, you know, I've talked a, a little bit to you about this. I don't know if I've mentioned the podcast, but I've become very interested in, um, in on bullshit um, the right. doctoral dissertation from the, um, from the early nineties, he, in his book, in this book, um, no, oh, it's his name, Fitzpatrick, whatever his name is. He, he defines, um, he defines bullshit. Like there's, there's truth, there's falsehood and there's bullshit. He defines this as a bigger enemy to the truth than a lie, because a lie needs the truth in order to function. Mm-hmm. Um, BS does not care one way or the other. And a thought that occurred to me in recent weeks is um, just in terms of thinking about the prophetic work of Christianity, and that is how do you speak truth to power when power, when, when the, when power doesn't care about the truth, yeah. right? Um, it's – you know that's a, that's, a, that's a tough thing, but that's, that's the world we're dealing with right now is that it's not about truth. It's just about emotion. It's just about – it really is about – about winning the, the, the fervor and raw emotionality of different groups of people. It's about, I mean, I, you know, I just saw an article I mean, yesterday or the day before where basically Hillary Clinton has been interviewed. God help us all that they're still on the political scene. Um, but is, is saying that, um, that basically like there is no time for like, th- 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 this is not a time for civility. Um, you know, civility is past. You know, we, we can't be civil. So, like, we, we're just going to reject the whole Michelle Obama, you know, when they aim low, we aim high. Like, we're going to we're not going to offer a better narrative. We're just going to sink to that level. We're just going to keep punching each other. And it just seems that on the both the right and the left, it's all about who can be the most angry. Get, and, and get the most retweets and the most likes and get the most retweets and likes and all of that. And it's just I mean you know in a world where like advertising was a big piece i could see it as like monetizing this but it's not monetizing it it's it's i think it's just because the likes and retweets are an ag- it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a compilable number people want those numbers so they can basically demonstrate that our side won because we have all of these numbers on our side or whatever yeah. um and so if it's about the numbers it's not about the truth and you know so it, it it's I, I, you know, I, I, part of me wants to go into like problem solving mode and there's, yeah, and that's probably not helpful. Um, well, and,
0: and, but, and it's just like, and it's also alarming when you factor in the bots, which, you know, right. it counts, which, you know, it, it was a small number of bots that were used, you know, um, but the fact that they exist and that they are accomplishing what they're sending out to do, which is to create divisiveness politically by using our popular culture. That's a really scary thing.
1: Well, and what's also scary is think about this, right? So like truth comes from a mind, right? So like I, I have an idea and I say that this idea is true and it originates from me. And we put it out there, and people kind of debate and decide whether it's true or not. And We kind of get a sense whether it's factual or true or whatever. But that's a very human thing. It's kind of scary that an algorithm can present an idea. I know. And that then now suddenly we're engaging with it, and there's nothing human behind it. Yeah, I mean it's
0: – yeah.
1: Um, it's, it's, and, it's PSYOP.
0: <laughs> not yeah, to sound I mean, like Alex Jones, but it's, it's a it's – psychological warfare you know
1: (laughs) right and it's 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 terrifying to think about how much of our lives how we're dictated by i mean this is like almost like skynet kind of stuff right i mean it's 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 um just the idea that a machine can be programmed in such a way that it will sort of you know randomly that it can that it can instill this sort of stuff in an, in a person. It makes me wonder, like you know, has it has it happened to me? Have I been emotionally charged by a robot? Yeah. By an algorithm. Um, and you know, I I, I would like to think that I have some kind of control over this stuff. And I, maybe and maybe that's the thing is as, as a Christian, and as a as a priest. I think about you know a longstanding tradition in the church is is that it's important for us to sort of have control over our words and our emotions and maybe that's something that we can really start encouraging people is like you know when you see this stuff before retweeting it before reacting before whatever like sit with it for a minute like you know yeah, think about it try to try to consider its truthfulness or or whatever it's also uh,
0: it's also I think uh, illiteracy. When it comes to art, right, I feel, and I feel like a lot of people will watch a movie or a TV show or read a book, and like the first thing they're doing is looking for the political agenda, right? Like, what is this author or filmmaker or artist trying to sell me? Like, well, what are they trying to t- sell me? When like most of the time, it's just no, I'm just bearing my soul, because <laughs> that's what I get. That's what I get from from the Last Jedi. You know, yeah, and I found something really profound in that movie that isn't that probably that could be used to enrich my politics. You know, the idea of learning from your mistakes, that mm-hmm. uh, you know, standing against tyranny, standing against, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you when you consider that um, in Star Wars, even though like George Lucas has come out and said that like, oh yeah, the Empire is definitely USA, the Rebels are definitely Viet Cong. <laughs> um, it is interesting when you realize within the context of the actual world. The empire doesn't actually have an ideology, right? Um, they just want to like they, they're just they're just evil for evil being evil, but like that that that's on purpose though. You know what I mean? Like that that's that's what, that's what art does. It, it's just sort of, like you can use to enrich your own life, you know, and inform just real- your, not really inform I guess, but like sort of, I don't know, um, empower your own feelings so, and your own beliefs.
1: So here's a real question. Uh, we talked about the unmentionable three films, but I'm going to mention them. So the prequels. Okay. <laughs> the, so the plot line of the prequels is about the birth of the Empire. And, and what we learn uh, in those three movies is that Palpatine is playing both sides. Right. Um, because he's both you know, a senator and he is also a Sith. Yeah. And, and so he's, he, he, he's got voice on both sides of the agenda and he's basically steering it in a way that, that guarantees. But his whole thing, his whole thing right, is just to destroy the Republic. That's all he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any other agenda than to just break down the Republic, and then he's in power because that's what Sith want to do, right? They just want to be in power. Like, it's very simple, right? right. Isn't that exactly what's going on now? Isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Isn't, isn't this political agenda Basically, a Palpatine kind of thing. Like, dude, don't get me started.
0: <laughs> right? Like, don't get me started, man.
1: Like, let's talk a little I bit about this
0: conversation all the time about how uh, everything seems more like a vie for power than anything, than and, and, and expressing any kind of true morals and saying right. any kind of principle. It's just, I want power over this party. I'm not going to
1: say which ones. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, but I'm, I'm just thinking about. I'm just like. I mean, to, to 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 reference another movie is the Joker in the Dark Knight when he's talking to Two-Face and he talks about how he's like a dog with a car. He's like, I'm chasing after the car, but if I catch it, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a lot of this stuff on both the right and the left. is just like, we're sort of in this mindset of we've got to chase this car. We don't know what we're going to do if we catch it, but our goal is to chase it. We just, we just know we have to chase it. Um, and so it's like, you know, it's just getting power for power's sake, which again is bullshit anything that is just for itself that's not connected to any kind of greater truth is bullshit it's Mm -hmm. disconnected from anything it's just it's just there um because like you know like I, i have i'll acknowledge i have power right i have power i have privilege i'm a white straight male so i have power and privilege just by virtue of that i'm also a priest so i have authority and power in my congregation what i understand that is you know when i was ordained the bishop handed a bible to me and he said do not for, never forget the trust given to you as a priest in the church of god it's my favorite line in the book of common prayer it comes from the ordination liturgy and i just i love i love that sentiment and that, that and and that teaching that i'm handed power by virtue of being ordained but that my responsibility is in how i wield that power and so what I understand my role as a priest is, is to leverage that power in order to help empower the congregation, to empower the lay, the lay Christians to be the best Christians they can be. It's not my job to lord over them my authority as a priest and say, you know, this is what you're going to do and this is how it's going to be. And you're basically, you know, because if I were to do that, I'd be creating a church that's built around me as an individual. And my job is to point. I've been, given, I've been given power to be able to point and direct people to, to a certain truth, and so there are times where it's important for me to step aside and let that truth just rest. Mm. But that's—and but, I just use this as an example that in that situation, you know, and I wanted to be ordained. I wanted to be the rector, the senior priest of a church, so I did have a desire for power and authority. I wanted that, right? I sought that out. I went to school. To accomplish that, to achieve it, to acquire that power. But I did that so that I could leverage that power for the good of the church. So there's a purpose, there's a narrative, all of that to it. So it's not just power for power's sake, it's power for the benefit of a congregation for whatever. But when we get into this political world where it's just about power for the sake of power, that's where we start getting, you know, because it's not connected to anything bigger. And I think, I hope I don't get in trouble with some of our listeners, but what I see with Donald Trump as our president, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of the people who thinks that Donald Trump is like wholly evil. I really don't. Okay. I, I, having having read, and, having read these books and other things about his presidency and just sort of following him over the years, I really don't think he is evil. And I, and I, because I feel like for him to be evil, it would have to put some actual thought and effort into what he's doing. <laughs> I think he is, one, kind of a tool Um, And I don't mean that in, like, the dismissive of, you know, you're a tool. But, I mean, I think, like, he was – I think it's pretty clear that there was a political agenda that saw him as an effective representative of their aims and what they're trying to do. And that's the scary thing. The Steve um, Bannon-type people of the world are scary. Those are scary people. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, I think Trump is just the kind of guy who he sees the authority as prestige and he wants it. Um, And I think he's the kind of you know once he got it he didn't know what to do with it, and so you know I think on one hand it's important you know I think the 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 desire to want him to be a good president is a good thing because you want him to learn how to use this thing rightly, Um, but I think we've seen an example of people who supported him because he was a disruptive figure, because they have been conditioned by a particular way of thinking to try to get into power and to try to maintain that power and to preserve that power. I think that's the fervor we've seen with the push for Brett Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court, is just this guarantee to keep a particular political ideology and agenda in power for as long as possible without any kind of thought of how it benefits or furthers the American experiment. It's just power for power's sake. Because people have been convinced that they are right, and because they're right, they have to be in power because the right people have to be in power does that make any sense to my
0: yeah, yeah no no it it uh, yeah i <laughs> um, am not really saying anything because um well, I don't know how to say my beliefs that coming off is very controversial um but yeah, I do I, think i I think that you are for the most part right yeah
1: i mean I, you know and i and i'm and i'm uh, and that's why i, I that's why like i was just was just getting into the news a little bit when i whenever I watch the news it 's like if the left could just pay attention to the to the to could just sort of put together a narrative All right, so this is going to be kind of a weird angle, but it was like you know in college how you and i um um maybe more me i don't know where you were on this, but we got but I got very um kind of enamored with uh the the scare quote documentary uh loose change yes um you know the (laughs) the 9-11 truther thing
0: did i show you the the memory that popped up in my uh on my facebook you know the facebook memories app yeah from 2006 keelan sharing hey jp i found this documentary you gotta watch it man (laughs) oh
1: you reposted it
0: (laughs) i didn't repost it but Uh i i should go back and look for it but like keelan yeah i remember he shared that with
1: me and like yeah we all
0: watched it and we're
1: like whoa dude yeah. Right. So like, we got so enamored by this. Well, what got me out of, of believing in that is when I took a step back and realized that it would, that the conspiracy they're putting forward is impossible to maintain Yeah. because we're like, it can't all be true because there's too many moving parts. There's too many, there's too much that, that, that for it to, it just, it, it just could not have happened. The 9-11 truther narrative of, of that could not have happened. It's yeah. just impossible. Because you can't, it can't all be true, um, and that's kind of the way I feel when I look at the news and I see the way the left reacts to everything Donald Trump does. It's like he can't be a tyrant and an idiot. Like those two things cannot be true. Right. Um, you know he's um, he is blustery. He is all of he is all those things, but he can't. I, just I don't think he has that kind of agenda because I don't think he. I, I think he's kind of like a Jack Sparrow character. Like he's just sort of making it up as he goes along. And, um, and, 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 that to me is, is a scary thing in and of itself. And so, um, so I do hope that when people hear me talking about this, I'm not, I'm not saying they saying that I think that Trump is like the new Hitler or anything like that. Um, but I do think that he is, he is not really thought through what being president means. And, and that's a dangerous thing. For us, And if I can be generous in terms of my politics, I would hope, I would hope that there's some way that he could be a good president, because I think it's possible for him to be shaped. I mean, who, is it who, um, who was it who said that he got in a lot of trouble um, on the Democratic side? He said they wanted, the, they wanted Trump to be, was it, was it Maxine Waters? Who was it? Was it Diane Feinstein? Who said that they 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 hoped that he could be a good president and oh, he got booed? There were, there were a lot of corporate Democrats that said stuff like that. Um, um, So there's a part of me that wants him to be a good president because you know he if he's good we're you know we're all successful. Um, oh. Of sorts. I don't know, man. I just, <laughs>
0: we're, I just, we're getting into politics now, so like I know. It, it, so, <laughs> it, it,
1: I guess here's the thing: is it's easy. It's so easy. It's such low hanging fruit to on one side say. He is a tyrant and a monster. He's the new Hitler, and we have well, to get him out of power. I, I think it's also easy to say, just to be just as easy, and, and it's just the same kind of reductionist, bullshitty way of thinking as saying that Ryan Johnson was trying to make a movie about about the down the downfall of the white man.
0: Or that, and, yeah, or that Ryan Johnson was making a movie that basically just trying to take Star yeah. Wars away from white guys. Yeah,
1: right. And I just think that that I just think we have to have i guess this so maybe you have to edit the rest of it if you want to keep us out of trouble i don't know, but like i I just think that we need to avoid all that kind of reductionistic thinking
0: yeah, and I think it's important to it's and i'm not talking politically i'm I, when i when I talk when I say this when I say both sides um, when it comes to the criticism of the last jedi, I think people who are critical against it and people who are uh very much, uh, who very who very much like it. I think that there does need to be a little bit of a more care given to their evaluation because the one thing I, I always kind of see that I feel like really motivates the other side is when critics who really like *The Last Jedi* are keep really harping on how Ryan Johnson subverted expectations, mm-hmm. and that did happen. Expectations were subverted. Tropes were subverted. He did really go against the grain in a lot of parts, but what 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 I'm starting, what I'm realizing, and the critics who like it, they're not realizing that I don't think that was his intention. And he's even gone on record as saying, "Like, I did not set out to be like I'm going to subvert everything about Star Wars. I'm going to where Star Wars zigs, I'm going to zag." He didn't. He's like, I, "That's that's not that's not storytelling. That's not filmmaking." He's like, "All I did was try to think about what." could generate the most dramatic outcome in the characters. Right. was like, I'm just trying to create drama. I'm trying to create interesting situations. I'm not trying to just subvert everything.
1: Well, and he's also creating a story that was sort of handed to him by J.J. By J. J. Abrams. Right, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, Because I mean, J.J. J. Abrams was the one who created all these characters, and, yeah. he, and he's the one who put Luke on Octo and ended the movie <laughs> with him there. I mean, that's the thing that gets me is is J.J. Abrams kind of painted Ryan Johnson into a corner. Mm-hmm. And and Ryan told the story he wanted to tell out of out of that. And so like that's one of my favorite counter arguments to people is like if you hate Rose Tico, well, I guess Rose is his. But if you hate Ray and you hate Finn and you hate all that stuff and and all the added fem- female characters and people of color and all that, blame J.J. Abrams, not Ryan Johnson. He didn't create these people.
0: Or just don't blame them at all, like you know right but, I'm uh, just
1: saying, like, but, but if that's how you're gonna if that's if that's your mindset, like it's not Ryan Johnson who did this like he he just worked with what was given to him, right, yeah, I think he told the best possible story that he could have with what was given to him and, and I, I think so too, and it's
0: I don't know i there really is so much of this I feel like can be just tracked back like I was saying, a uh, literacy toward art. Um, I really don't think people for the most part. I don't think a lot of people know how to talk about movies or, or just art in general. Right. And so much, and so much, so I'm taking my hat off and putting it back on again. That's how frustrated I am. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a real comrade today. Um, so much of, of, uh, uh, you know, art discourse and about movies and TV shows. I always, when someone doesn't like something, I always hear like, well, who do they think this was for? You know, who did they make this for? This obviously wasn't made for me. That's not how art is supposed to be made. It's not like, I mean, sure, there's like a an element of like I gotta sell this, I gotta market this somehow. But for the most part, when an artist is making something, it's it's mostly like I'm making this for me, <laughs> you know. I make, right. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson was. Doing. I think he was making like, what I thought would a good Star Wars movie would be. Not right, like, they're having fun. What? Not like, yeah, exactly that, and, and not just like, "Well, what are the fans going to like?" Let's just get the fans whatever they want. I hate that line of thinking. I hate well, that way of thinking, and it's been co-opted by by all these companies. Are like, we're just want to give with the fans. want. We're making this well, all for the fans.
1: Look at what look at look at what happened to DC movies, <laughs> and if you to see how that's not successful and not a good way of thinking. Yeah. I, but here's a. I've mentioned it before. <laughs> the problem is capitalism.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, preach it. From the rooftops you know, from the mountains
1: because the only way that this way of thinking works is in a capitalist society <laughs> i know yeah for people to basically because for them to say like i'm the consumer therefore you should give me the product that i'm going to buy the customer's always right
0: no no you never
1: no and and like i mean and you know that makes sense for like an that, that makes sense in like like when when steve jobs and johnny ive developed the iphone you know, they were trying to, and the iPad, they were trying to think of how to develop technology that was intuitive to the, con- to the consumer. So that, like, so that's, like, that's putting the consumer, like, that's thinking about the consumer, and that's making a product for the consumer so that they could pick it up and use it immediately, right? Like, that's, that's, you know, or, like, when he developed the Mac, you know, he, he understood that your average person with the computer just wants to, just to turn it on, and it worked. They don't want to have to fiddle with it. They don't want to have to do all this tech stuff. They just want to be able to turn on the machine, and it work like that's that's taking account of the consumer that's a very smart way of doing that, and that works for a product again, like the iPhone, like a tool right you got to think about how if you're if you're going to approach it as a tool, you want the tool to be as usable as possible to the person who's buying the tool right yes. and to be easy and simple and apparent and accessible that is not what a movie is right yeah a movie is not an iPhone it is not something that is supposed to be is not supposed to be just sort of you know, simple and exactly what you want and to affirm you where you're sitting. It is not supposed to be about affirming the status quo. It is about challenging the way you think and approach things. That's what storytelling does. Right. Is it, it offers, it offers, uh, something that impacts the way we engage with and see the world. It's poetic. Um, and, and you know, what, what Ryan Johnson was doing with start with the last Jedi was very poetic and good storytelling in that, it took this familiar thing and it carried it to a new and interesting place and it challenged us to think about i mean it challenged us to think about you know the, the, the star wars the way you know it, it, you know this thing that has become you know a sort of sacred cow in pop culture right to think about it in new ways and what it what it's about and what it could be
0: i mean just think about like the scene where lucas is, is like actually criticizing the jedi and calling them vain like right I was like, "Oh, you're not allowed to do that. Like, <laughs> you can't say that. Right. You can't say that, right. that Jedi.
1: <laughs> right, and it's like, it's like as a Christian um, with a lot of exposure to the mystical tradition and the and the and the monastic and, and you know ascetic uh, tradition of Christianity, I'm like watching this. I'm like, "Oh, he's like the, he's like Saint Anthony the Hermit. Like, he's a mad hermit who yeah. is like criticizing you know the bishops in the city and saying you know all is vanity." He's basically, I mean, by saying vanity, John like, the Baptist, or, John the Baptist. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's like a calling it vanity is a is is is, is quoting Ecclesiastes. Of oh, yeah. um, i was saying you know all is vanity and 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 spitting into the wind mm-hmm. um it's it, it is you know so like you know so I watch this and I'm like oh yeah this is what this is this is the kind of thing that they're drawing on for these characters not some other kind of agenda to make Luke lame or something
0: yeah i mean and it's it's it's, it's just, become a hermit that's yeah. it, and
1: that's that and that, that's the trajectory that he was always going in
0: yeah and when you when we really look at Star the last Jedi compared to the previous entries, it, it's so interesting when you kind of realize that, Ryan Johnson added so many more layers of filmmaking on top of like what's already been there. Like there's this great video on YouTube where someone examines the style of each Star Wars movie, and when you mm-hmm. watch it evolve, it's like more like the first Star Wars is just like really static shots, right? Everything's kind of locked off on a tripod. Everything is just sort of like just presented as is because there's a lot of special effects they had to deal with and they can't really they can't really get too much style stylized. Um, but as it, as they kind of get more comfortable and more in their shoes, it's a bit more, more movement. A little well, bit Empire more. Well, Empire
1: is super stylized.
0: Yeah, it's like night
1: and day different. I
0: mean, there's there are crane shots in it. They go handheld a few times. The wipes. Yeah, a lot of wipes. Uh, and that's why the original source has a lot of wipes in it too because you can't really right. do much. Um, but by the time you get to like the Last Jedi. It's like super stylized. There's like layers and layers and layers of technique and filming and editing and cinematography, and um, and and acting even. Like there, I don't know. There's just like a much more naturalistic acting that's kind of evolved within these movies. That's and so like even from like an an objective point of view, Ryan Johnson did something great. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I'm not trying to say that it's it's above criticism, but. I just – I don't think that the criticism is there is enough to be like, well, this is a controversial movie. It's very divisive. I don't buy it. I don't buy that it's divisive. I think the divisiveness is very much engineered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I will – to somewhat push on that, JP, is I do think that one of the issues that we have – it is divisive in the sense that um, I think it's, it's, divisive. Just,
0: it's a piece of art that entered into a divisive time is what I think.
1: That, but it's also, but come on, man. It's also, it's also, uh, it's something that people have made into a sacred cow, right? And it's, I mean, think about this like, there are people who treat Star Wars as almost it's their religion. And, yeah, and you know, I mean, if, if like, if like, like we were to uncover, like, if Jesus were to show up now and just start writing new parts of the Bible, like, it would resemble The Last of... Jedi, yes, it would, yes, man, yes, <laughs> it would, Chuck, yes. A lot of us, yeah, sure, but I mean, but in the same way, like I think a lot of us would be really offended. Like I, I've, I've chalked yeah. up my belief long ago that if I ever, that 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 if I were to go back in time, get in a time machine, and, and encounter Jesus in the past, like I would be offended. Like I would crucify him too, because there's something about the guy that like resists my, you know, what, what my ability to. You know, to you know, he you know the, the thing is, I'm I'm always going to try to make God into my own image, mm-hmm. and Jesus consistently is an iconoclast in that regard, and so so I think that doing a similar thing with. um I think I think that's that's going to be a piece of uh, Star Wars a new this trilogy was always going to be divisive and the only reason it was going to be divisive is because of Timothy Zahn's novels (laughs) the extended universe like all this stuff that had kind of existed sort of continuing the story unofficially that any official continuation of this trilogy um is was always going to be a problem for people um what I what I'm what I'm but I, but I do agree with you. So I, I do think it was always going to be divisive. But I do think the issue is that it's a problem of it's a problem of Star Wars' own creating as a fandom. It's of its own creating, um, especially because um, people have not been instructed properly in how to have an open mind to storytelling. Yeah. And I will, I will acknowledge that as much hate as I have given to the prequels, I've since had to realize. Look. It was George Lucas's story to tell. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is some of those far right conservative people I know that was their reaction to the prequels. Yeah, I know. When they came out, they said it was his story to tell. So who are we to tell him that it should be anything different? But now those same people <laughs> are 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 railing on this other stuff and not, not being generous to Ryan Johnson for telling the story that he wanted to tell. I, I will just as an aside, The Last Jedi is also a masterful movie in that it has helped it has helped make the prequels better. I think so
0: too i mean I think I think the prequels have a technique problem. I think they're just kind of really not very that much entertaining in, in terms of you know,
1: right we'll get yeah, into my some problem time, but yeah, I mean my problem with the, uh, just since we're talking about it a little bit i said my problem with the, my, my problem with the with the prequels is not the story that George Lucas wanted to tell, it's more about the kind of the way he went about telling it, yeah. Um, I I just I don't know that we needed the Phantom Menace as a as a movie. I yeah, don't I don't I don't really I don't. there's there's nothing to that movie that that really has any kind of impact on the rest of that trilogy.
0: It's an editing mess too.
1: <laughs> it's an it's... editing mess. Darth Maul is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it did give us the Duel of the Fates, which is a great piece of of, of John Williams' music as part of the Star Wars universe.
0: I was actually really kind of wishing that it would show up somewhere in these new these new trilogy movies yeah <laughs> like how great would it have been if it showed up if the duel of fate showed up when ray and kylo were fighting off the, the Awesome, right yeah
1: um oh dude someone should we edit that to see how that would work uh, <laughs> um but so but, but but i just wanted i just it's um just just to finish my thought on that is that um is that i think i think i think lucas could have if, if he had had some more people willing to challenge him rather than being surrounded entirely by yes men yeah. and women, um I think they, they would have been stronger movies um, because they would have prohibited him from indulging in some of his worst impulses right. um, that that got in the way of i think the really cool story he wanted to tell um,
0: The great thing about the original trilogy is that it was largely collaborative, right, which is what film was supposed to be right um. I wish there was a way we could have segued into my Ryan Johnson story because I don't think I've shared it on this podcast before. You're what? My Ryan Johnson story.
1: Oh yeah, because you've met him, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I'm like a huge fan of Ryan Johnson. I've been a fan of his since uh, he released his first movie called Brick back in 2006. Which if you haven't seen, check it out. It's a great movie. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, awesome. Uh, kids that talk like 1940s gangsters. <laughs> um, it came out and I fell in love with it and then I moved to LA a couple years later and the first thing I did when I got to LA is I, I saw that there was a midnight screening of Brick at a revival theater and I was like that's the first movie I'm going to see when I'm out here and I, so I saw it and Ryan Johnson was there, he gave a Q&A I shook his hand, great experience but then a few months later I worked at the uh, AFI Fest in LA which is a
1: the A festival group. for fans of the, movie, of the band A Fire Inside, yes <laughs> It's American Film Institute, but
0: whatever <laughs> um, And he was premiering His new movie called The Brothers Bloom Which uh, I guess not many people like it But I, I love it um, And he's, he was premiering the movie And my friend Was the theater manager in charge of the theater That was showing the film And I was just kind of checking out the crowd And hanging out with him, seeing how things are going And then I look over across the hallway And Ryan Johnson's over there just kind of, this is at the ArcLight Theater, and they have like movie props and stuff in the halls. And he's just kind of like looking at stuff, random stuff, just kind of like waiting for his movie to finish. And uh, so I was like, I was like, "Is that Ryan Johnson?" And my friend's like, "Yeah, dude, that's I was Like, I should go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go talk to him. So I just kind of, I just went up to him, and we we chatted about movies. It was great. He was he was a really nice guy. He wasn't like annoyed. He wasn't like, "Oh, get away from me." He was like, "Hey, how's it going?" And we just talked about all the movies he saw at the festival, and. He recommended a movie called Synecdoche, New York, which I saw and I loved, and it's also really great. And um, just a really nice guy. And like since then, I just I just really loved his movies. I followed his work really closely and really hoped that someday he would become something big. And then when I found out he was directing a Star Wars movie, I flipped out. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and like people were like, uh, okay, whatever, JP. And it's so depressing that it came in this time, this divisive time, and it, and it and it's this created this huge back and there's a backlash attached to it. And there's so much toxicity forming around it because Ryan Johnson is a really good filmmaker and I've been waiting for years for him to like bust out into the scene. And he finally did it with Star Wars and it was great and it gave me a Star Wars movie that I've always wanted
1: to see. And yeah. um you know and and he- the, the, yeah, and he so. did – and he, and he kind of did what Lawrence Cavson did with um, with with Empire, right? Because Lawrence was one who directed Empire, Empire, right? No, he wrote Empire. Uh, he wrote Empire. Irvin Kirshner directed. That's right. Kirshner was Empire. one – uh, yeah. So he did what Kirshner did with Empire, which was sort of to kind of go against a little bit of the – you know, sort of the Lucas, you know, expectation of what that movie was going to he be. He brought
0: a little bit more sophistication and a little bit more um, – just 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 packing it with some more emotion and and humanity
1: right and just and it's in it you know like and and to me it's sort of like what a great like cover artist or jazz musician does and that is you know to take this you know written thing and this this expected um you know these these expected tropes and whatever and then just kind of give their own masterful interpretation on it
0: eric kershner was a much more seasoned filmmaker at the time compared to george lucas so he brought some
1: kind of you know he brought some some of that experience right Right, I mean, Empire. Empire just has like a, there's just a cinematic majesty to it. I mean, for crying out loud, yeah. they made a friggin' Muppet, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just wanted like the heart and soul of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I share that with you, dude. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as much of a fanboy uh, of Ryan Johnson as you are. Um, I hope you don't take that dismissively cause I don't mean it dismissively. No, no. Um, but I am with you in that, like, here's this, you know, to watch this guy have this really, I, you know, I look at this and I look at it as like, so it's me. Like if I were given the opportunity to make a star Wars movie, right? Like I grew up with this, I'm like, you know, this is something you know, just, you, you, you can't, you have to be one terrified to do it. And also, um, I mean, I would be like if somebody were to say, Hey, you know, Hey Chuck, how's about you direct the new Godzilla movie? <laughs> yeah. And it would be like, oh, God, um, I've got this story that I've wanted to tell my whole life um, and and to do it. And then to people just to basically go and say, like, hey, you're ruining the thing you love yeah. um, because of your political agenda. Like, but that's not at all what I was doing. <laughs> um, I, so I feel I feel for the guy. And, and I'm with you on all of this, that it, it is all born from from people having having us, unfortunately, not teaching. I mean. There can't be a coincidence that this has all come to the fore as the um, the study and appreciation of the art in public schools has diminished. Totally.
0: Yeah. And you know, I I feel like I and you know, we're it's it's so a part of our culture. I think film should be just as important to teach to like to, to kids in school as as literature. Right. Right. They watch more oh, but, movies and read books, you might oh, as well teach them how to how to understand a movie
1: but let's be honest for a moment, right You and I are both we are both literature students um, um let's be honest how many how many you know people of the sort of the traditional arts and get all like you know snooty about like film and video games and how it's not art and um and how, like, it's not real art. And then, uh, then of course, within the film world, there's what, the difference between film and movies, right? I see films, <laughs> not movies. Um, a cinema um, enthusiast. Yes, which you and I both have been guilty of at different times in our life, let's yeah. be honest. Right now uh, I'm kind of guilty of it, sure. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> but, like, you know, how cool is it that, you know, popcorn blockbuster entertainment has, like, an artsy, you know, has, like, a, a message, yeah. right? Like, it's not, like, one that you have Effort. to sort of, like, eat. Yeah, you don't have to like eke out of it. Like it, it's like, wow, you know, like between between Marvel's output and the Star Wars output, it's it's kind of amazing that there is this degree of store of sophisticated storytelling coming, taking place in like just ludicrous settings like yeah. Star Wars. Um, one thing I did want to point out really quick before we wrap this up is um, and it's probably gonna be a whole conversation in and of itself. But I, I just thought about it early on as we talked about it and that this all started when Disney took over Lucasfilm. Yeah. And the same people who criticize, they also criticize Marvel and they criticize a lot of other things. And these are all Disney owned things. And I'm wondering, you know, I go back to my childhood and I'm sure it's similar to you. We both grew up um, early on in our, in our, you know, elementary age childhood with the infamous Disney boycott. Um, yeah. God. Um, that was that was common among, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention and others like pushed to boycott Disney Um, Because of, you know, the unofficial gay days that take place at at Disney. And I wonder how much of this is rooted in that. Um, This idea that Disney, that that Disney has always been, you know, I mean, it's right. It's funny because there's this attitude that Disney has always been sort of, you know, pushing this political progressive agenda. But then like people also criticize Disney for having made things like Song of the South and.
0: I mean, I I don't know. Like, I I think it just says something about the kind. I think Disney is very apolitical. I think that they're they're. Yeah. I think their whole agenda is just to control whatever market they're in. Um, I think they're just hardcore capitalists. I yeah. think they just want to make as uh, they just want to they, they want to control the market. That's what they want to do.
1: It's true, and you know what um, and, I, it,
0: and so the politics and is I, I'm
1: willing to just let them.
0: <laughs> I'm not. No, <laughs> stop it. I don't want there just to be Marvel movies in theaters. I like the movie Eighth Grade. Y'all should should have seen; it was really good.
1: I need to see. I need to see it because it's important for my work um, as a <laughs> school chaplain to middle schoolers. Um, it's showing at uh, like a
0: hundred schools or something now this this fall. Yeah. I I Plus, I
1: just I, I really like Bo Burnham, man. He made a good uh, movie. He made a really made a good, good movie. I've heard it's good, and his stand up is really, really yeah, thought provoking <laughs> and very interesting. It's a very interesting insight into the millennials. Um, I, um,
0: anyway, I say yeah. all that also to say that, uh, Bob Iger is, is threatening to run for the Democratic ticket in 2020 against Donald Trump. So, you know,
1: gosh, is this going to be our world now? It's just like, <laughs> built, just, just more like private billionaires, like running for, running for presidential office now. That it's like, like dude, idiocracy becomes truer and truer every day. Like, I can't wait for the day that President Mountain Dew Comanche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Right. Anyway, so uh, let's let's close out. Let's close it out. Uh, Chuck, final thoughts.
1: I think I've shared enough of my thoughts, man. Like, okay, I'm probably, I'm probably gonna get in trouble <laughs> with someone, um, dude. I hope we haven't attracted the Russian bots to us. How funny would it be that like we become most some of type, our listeners are bots, but <laughs> right? But how funny would it be if if like this this podcast enters the the pop cult the pop culture mainstream somehow because like we just. We, we, because we're victims of some kind of like horrible thing like, uh, I, like I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> like we just get like suddenly we're like talked about on 4chan. Um, Put me on film Twitter, baby. Yeah, um, but I um, my final thoughts. I just to get back just to what I said earlier is I think in all of this is that you know this is this is further evidence that there is a very aggressive battle against the truth. And philosophy is always going to be about that, is always going to be about um, the the seeking of the truth no matter what. And we've been accustomed to the enemy of the truth being falsehood, but we're increasingly seeing that it's BS is the new enemy. And so I think for us, just everyone in general just needs to be aware of that because it's and that's and kind of what I was trying to say earlier when I got a little bit on the political piece, is that it's something, this is something that we're seeing on both the right and the left. No, like, it's not just the right is like believing lies. We, the left is doing it too. It's just right now it well, worked for the right and it could have, it could have easily worked on the, on the left.
0: Um, I think a certain part of the left, yes. Huh? Yeah. I think a certain part of the left,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that well, it's a certain part of the right too. I mean, there are plenty of there are plenty of people on the right that are not buying into this stuff, right? I mean, like George, you know, like like um, um, to some degree, George Will. Um, um, oh, what's his name? Um, who I really like who writes for the New York times. Um, who's a, who's a conservative. I can't think right. but there's a number of people, a uh, Jeff Klingenberg, who's a, a, a Florida author has done a really good job of promoting a bunch of, um, Republican conservative writers, but they are, that they are not on board with where things are going. And they make the very compelling argument that this is not the conservative movement that we're seeing. Um, this is something else. Um, so, so I think it's certain segments of the right and the left that have been, you know, that, that have been given to this, and I think it's something that we all, as we, as a society, are increasingly being shaped by social media, have to be aware of. And so we have to commit ourselves to truth um, and how we find that truth. And and I think that um, we just have to be very aware that there is a bunch of BS out there that is trying to distract us from the pursuit of truth. And yes, absolutely. It, it, Okay, and, that's what it comes down to, to, yeah. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is it's like, look, man, just enjoy Star Wars.
0: Yeah, for real. It's just Star Wars, man. Like
1: <laughs> with me, not everything has to be so damn serious. And it's it's also I, mean, I know we just dedicated like two hours to making this very serious, but the you know the movie's well, fun, man. It's it's a, come on, it's it's got it's got it's got dudes in red plastic armor getting cut in half by a red laser sword. It you know, it's got it's got it's Mark opera. Campbell it's, it's got Mark Hamill getting, dis- getting shot at by like 50 million walking robots. And then when he's done, he just brushes that dirt off his shoulder like he's Jay-Z. It, come on. The movie is fun. And Enjoy- he milks got- an alien and drinks it
0: and doesn't break eye contact
1: with Ray when he does it. Right. And like, <laughs> and like Leia becomes a space witch who flies through. Come on. <laughs> like it, it, this is not something that we have to get so uppity about.
0: You know, Pablo Hidalgo. I don't know if you know who that is, Chuck.
1: Isn't, isn't that uh, Lauren Dern's character in, uh, in the no. movie? Is Admiral, Admiral Hidalgo, isn't that?
0: No, that no. Pablo, <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe that's where she got her name from. huh? Pablo Hidalgo is actually uh, part of the Lucasfilm
1: story group. Yeah, I know. He's, he's the guy. who's like the walking Bible of
0: Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. He's actually really cool. I love his Twitter feed um, because he gets attacked too. Uh, For sure.
1: Probably worse than Ryan Johnson, I think. Yeah, it's well, because he's got a Hispanic name in this political climate. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, but he said that, because he, he read the study, and he said that, um, I'm, I'm not quoting him directly, but he did say that, like, yes, there are bots involved, but we can't ignore that there is sort of a homegrown awfulness and how, like, that awfulness can be stirred up by something foreign and brought to the forefront. And to me, I just think that like the best way to counteract against stuff like that is just to be very aware of like why you like something and like how to talk about art. Star Wars is, is, is like a, is it? Is Star Wars is like a billion things. You could take anything from it. It has, there's a, there's a billion types of stories that go into Star Wars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it, Are there progressive people working on it? Yeah, their worldview is going to be integrated into it, but so much more is going to be integrated into it, like uh, uh, the human experience that we all share. Right. And oh man, just 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 enjoy your art, and um, if you see something problematic, you don't have to let it get in the way of enjoying it. As long as you, I mean, address it, fine, do that, but you can still like it.
1: Yeah, I I have a friend of mine um who's a priest who um who says that um partisan politics is a pretty shitty identity to have as a person.
0: <laughs>
1: um and and I agree with him on that that it it's cuz it just it it just it doesn't allow you to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can't nothing can be fun anymore when you when you when you live that way. Um, you know, I care about, I care about the political you know, nature of our, of our society. I do care about that because I think that, you know, it, it, as humans and I see, I see the way people are, are affected, impacted, especially the environment is impacted by political policy and things like that. But at the same time, man, it's important to just sort of sometimes to, to, to let go of that and just, and just enjoy a movie about spaceships shooting other spaceships, <laughs> you yeah. know. And like you said, you're right. Star Wars is so much... You know, there's so much in there that's that's just it. That, that that you know, you remember remember when bounty hunters were awesome? Like when did you know what happened to that? Bounty hunters were cool. That was like a whole corner of Star Wars. We didn't care about the Jedi. We cared about the bounty hunters. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what the new TV series is going to be. Right? I know the, Man, the the Mandalorian, which is awesome. Yeah, Taika TV awesome. is directing
0: an episode. Hell
1: yeah! Seems so cool. The costume on that Mandalorian looks awesome. Um, Shiny, I like it. I'm I'm on I'm on board with that man. I'm on board with whatever they're gonna do there. Um, but like, there's just so many little corners and things. Like, just enjoy the thing. Like, just stop getting. But of course, the the, the counter argument I can already hear is like, but Johnson made it into this. No, he didn't. No, no we didn't. he didn't. Disney didn't do this either. You did this. In fact, this is you and robots. <laughs> you given it. And and what if we learned anything from the movie Solo? It's that nobody should care what the droids say. Um, I actually haven't seen Solo. Oh. So, you still haven't seen Solo? Wow. No, I know. I, I know. It was a bad year for me. Wow, dude. It's like, it's like streaming now. I know. Just sit down for a couple hours and watch it. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I will. I'll go get to it. That's another one we could go on and on about, about how it was like people have treated it as sort of like a, a fan service reaction to The Last Jedi oh, and, and all this stuff. But like it's – that's another one. It's just fun. Let it go. It's a fun, small-stake Star Wars movie. Just enjoy the friggin' movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all the time we have. It, it's more than the time we have. Uh, Father Chuck, thank you so much. You're welcome, JP. Uh, I want to thank Matt Wells for being here as well.
1: Yeah, Matt. Sorry, man. We just—you've been so quiet lately. <laughs> sorry. We just, we JP and I just get going, and you just don't get a word in. Edgewise. Hey, you know what we should really do? What? is if you if you have the time to you should go through old episodes and like create like find like random g- clip grabs of matt and just sort of like create like a matt soundboard that you can like hit button and like <laughs> and it should like be like map.
0: super obvious like chef uh, that episode of south park with Chef.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i don't agree with you chuck and in that <laughs> and when we do that it should be he should be all caps matt so it's an acronym of like a robot like <laughs> The 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 Matt adjacent technological the Matt bot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what Matt could stand for. Kind of like that. um, What's that uh, Matthew? It should all be Matthew. Like M-A-T-H-E. Because what's that terrible movie that was uh, that came out um, in the '80s that was about a robot boy? Um, They referenced it in Daryl. yes thank you because they <laughs> reference it in um they reference a vhs copy of daryl in uh, workaholics uh, uh, yeah propaganda. i remember that yeah. and it warms my heart because i remember that movie and it was filmed in partly in orlando and um anyway i could go on about that terrible movie yeah dear
0: all right so thank you so much for listening uh we hope you've learned a lot and that you will be able to enjoy star wars um and stay off of twitter jeez
1: just stay off Twitter. <laughs> burnt Twitter to the ground,
0: man. Uh, all right. Everyone have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. And dare I say, may the force be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs>